0: amen well We are starting a brand new series today, but before we get into that, how many of you guys were at Unveil last Sunday? We had our first, oh, it was awesome. We are entering a new season at Kalos Church where we have brand new songs, we have new sermons, we're introducing new graphics, and just so many amazing things. Even today, we are launching seven new small groups, which I'm so pumped about, and uh, just a lot of good things, but it was great to worship with you all and pray with you all over what God has planned at Kalos Church. It feels like this is a church alive that we're growing, we're moving forward and making known the beauty of Jesus, amen? And so I'm just really excited to see the name of Jesus lifted up and it was cool that it wasn't just like, hey, we're presenting this vision to you, but we as a church opened it up to a brainstorming session. We took some amazing ideas, we formed them into a plan, and then we were able to unveil as the church, what the church has presented for the next season, which is really cool. And I just want to encourage you, if you're wanting to get involved at Kalos, there is a place for you to get involved. How many of you guys are involved with Kalos Church? You're helping. Love it. You guys are awesome. And uh, there's a place for all of you. We want this to be a place where you can belong, even before you believe. If you still have questions of faith, we want to be a people that can go on a journey with you. You know, I didn't grow up Christian, and uh, I don't know exactly when I became a Christian. A lot like being potty trained. Uh, I can tell you right now, I am potty trained. Can I tell you the time and day it happened? No, but I know it happened. And we just want to invite you to go on a journey of discovering what is so beautiful about Jesus with us. And uh, we gather here on Sundays in a large gathering, but like I mentioned, we're launching small groups today. We're so excited about this. And if you go to kalos.com, dot church slash groups you can look at the descriptions for seven different small groups actually we have one today right after service called church and chow we're my church and chow people we have we have different groups uh, we have a, a men's small group we have a couple of women's small groups we have a creative small group there's just so many amazing small groups that are going on we actually have a student small group oh man for our teens i mean i mean Check them all out at our website, slash groups and I encourage you get involved. If you're looking for community, looking for a place to belong, don't just uh, don't just complain that nobody's reaching out to me and nobody likes me and I have no friends. We want you to have friends, and we're all a little awkward, so don't wait for anybody to take initiative because we're awkward people, okay? <laughs> and so just get just get in there, get in that small groups, and it's gonna be good. Who wants to be part of a small group? It's gonna be so good. Oh man. Man. So, we want to create environments where people know your name. And also, we have some Kalos merchandise if you want to buy some hats. To see people representing it. It's awesome. Well, we're starting a brand new series today called Bad at Love. Have you ever heard of that song by Halsey, Bad at Love? All right, let's give you a little refresher. Taylor, can we play that song? Sing it if you know it. Enough of that secular music, Taylor. Come on. What are you doing, Taylor? Come on. This is a church. And so this this time, bad luck, we're not proclaiming this over ourselves. But as a society, we realize that we can be, at times, bad at love. You know, in America, we have about a 50% divorce rate. That if you get married, it's a coin flip on whether or not you're going to get divorced. And so we wanted to create a, a biblical series that really looks at the scriptures so that we don't have to be bad at love. God created marriage. God created love. God created romance. In the Garden of Eden, which means delight or pleasure And I just want to proclaim to you today That you, as you build your life in Jesus You build your life on the truth of God's word You don't have a 50% chance at a great marriage You have a 100% chance at a great marriage Anybody with me today? As we center our lives around Jesus And so we are going to be, for the next four weeks, talking about relationship Today I'm starting off with a message called Marriage with Benefits You've heard of friends with benefits. I'm going to talk about marriage with benefits today. Come on, somebody. I got a son. I got a son. Uh, week two next week, <laughs> Pastor Amritha uh preaching about what do happy couples do. Really excited about that. In week three, we're going to talk about how backwards love is evil. Spell it. L-O-V-E-E-V-O-L. But how when there is uh, perversions of love, things get... Backwards and jacked up and so we're going to talk about sexual addictions and things like that It's gonna be a really powerful time of freedom and then week four uh, we're gonna talk about how to be single and happy You know we got married people in here. Amen. We got some dating people in here. Amen Do we do we have any happy dating people in here? (laughs) Do we have any engaged people in here? (laughs) Hey! Hey! Up! Crowd goes <laughs> wild. And so we got single again, people. We just have a whole bunch of people in here, and so we're gonna we're gonna have a series that is gonna be powerful for every one of those kinds of people and every one of those demographics. So this series is for you. So today, with our message, marriage with benefits, I want to start off by reading Matthew 19 and Jesus defending marriage and seeing the structure of marriage being attacked even in that day and age. And this is in Matthew 19. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning God made the male and female. And he said, this explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. So dear Father, I pray that you'd bless this word, Lord, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So Jesus, when talking about marriage, he says, haven't you read the scriptures? And then he talks about this is what God originally intended. And I just think before we get into some of the practical tips of marriage, we need to go to the source of scripture and kind of get our template as God's people to ask him, you design marriage, what are your intentions for marriage? Jesus, what are your dreams for marriage? And uh, Jesus, in that day and age, is crazy. We think like, wow, relationships and sexuality and marriage right now, it's really crazy right now. But even back 2000 and whatever years ago, Jesus was having to bring people back to the original intent of scriptures and having them focus on what did God want? What did God dream about? And, uh, you know, there is, as a culture, a reality that we are bad at love. And uh, my wife and I, We uh, met in Colorado Springs, and I I saw her at my first day at a church called Freedom, and uh, it was also her first day at the church, and we were in a sea of white people in Colorado Springs, okay? It's just, there's not a lot of brown people there. And so I I saw her across the auditorium, and I was like, whoa, and I'm not joking, within five seconds, I was tapping her on the shoulder, and I said, hey, are you Sri Lankan? She's like, no, I'm I'm Indian. Are you? And I was like, how did you know? I'm in love. <laughs> how did you figure that out? <laughs> and uh, you know, my my family has experienced quite a bit of divorce. My grandparents divorced. My parents divorced. They've had second divorces in the family. And I was like. I don't want to have a divorce. It really hurt me as a child. It really, uh, really destroyed our family dynamic. So I want to start this right. As we developed our friendship and started uh, doing ministry together, we actually led a small group together. Uh, I was starting to talk with my mentor saying, hey, I want to ask this girl uh, out on a date. I want to ask her to be my girlfriend. And back then, she was Amy Miller. That was her name. Now she's Amritha G. Manohar and Steve right now Come on, somebody, power marriage. And uh, she, was, she grew up in Kansas. And uh, I, I said, all right, all right, I talked to my mentor. Here's my plan for our first date. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take her, I'm going to bring her to the church offices, I'm going to take her to the leadership room where there's this huge whiteboard, and I am going to write out our vision, our mission, our culture, and our value statements for our relationship together. We are not getting a divorce!
1: We're going to start
0: off right on our first divorce, and, uh, our first date. And we are, we're going to do a SWOT analysis. We're going to talk about strengths. Who's with me? Say it with me if you know it. We're going to talk about strengths. We're going to talk about weaknesses. Come on, people. We're going to talk about opportunities. And we're going to talk about threats to this marriage. And we're going to get in there. We're going to do this. We're not going to get divorced. We're going for it. And uh, my mentor is like pretty even... That is the worst idea ever. You are bad at love. But really in my heart it was, I didn't want to suffer the same fate as my family. I didn't want to get a divorce. And I was afraid to get in a relationship because I know the pain that it could cause. Have you guys ever been there? And as a generation, people are getting married less and less and less throughout the world. In fact, Korea, the nation of South Korea, issued a statement that said, hey, by this year, we're going to cease to exist as a country and an ethnicity because people aren't getting married and procreating. Isn't that crazy? About five years ago, Japan officially started selling more adult diapers than baby diapers because the birth rate in a lot of these nations are going down and down and down because people aren't getting married like they used to and they aren't uh, procreating. And I think we're afraid of relationships and we're afraid of marriage and we're afraid of a lot of these things. You know, I was looking on Amazon and I searched for marriage books, I found 200,000 results on marriage books on Amazon, which is crazy, imagine reading that many books on marriage. I looked up divorce, 60,000 books on divorce And And it's just super wild to think that 50% of marriages in America end at divorce. And so uh, as a society, we are bad at love, it seems. Why aren't people getting married? Because they're seeing that we're surrounded by divorce, or we're deciding that career comes first, or we're scared of commitment, scared of being a bad spouse. We've had bad experiences. We love the single life. We are afraid of finances. We just think that marriage is an outdated practice. And in summary, I would say uh, a large part of our society views marriage like this. Taylor, could you play this video? Are you going to marry him? Tell him. I'm going okay. to marry why are you going to marry me. I'm not. But so why are you saying it? Do you want to marry Christina? How many guys know someone's like that? How many guys are dating someone like that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. And so I, I just feel like our generation is not wanting to get married and sometimes we we wonder as God's people, and if you're you're not a Christian, I believe that there are truths here for you today, and this message is for all of us, but sometimes we wonder, is marriage and all this, is it just like an outdated practice? Isn't it just like a piece of paper? What's so special about marriage? And so we're going to get into this, and I'm going to share basically a template on what is the purpose of marriage, what was it originally intended for, like Jesus talked about, and we're going to search the scriptures and a couple of books that I read in preparation for the series is is a book called Loveology by John Mark Comer. I'd recommend checking that out. Another book called Marriage on the Rock by Jimmy Evans and another book called The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. And these are just really good worldviews on what marriage is all about. And so I want to read a scripture from Ephesians 5, 25 through 33, about marriage. And I'm going to read through a couple of scriptures that share the same reference that Jesus talked about for the template of marriage. He says this in chapter five, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man, so this is what Jesus mentioned as well. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. And all the married people said amen. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It's a theme throughout all the scriptures. We can look at Genesis 2, we can look at Ephesians 5, we can look at this passage about Jesus talking about divorce, and they seem to be going back to this reference in Genesis 2. In fact, let's look at it. In Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper who's just right for him. So the Lord God formed the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose to name each one. And then going on in verse 21, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he slept, uh, the Lord took his rib out. And then in 22, the Lord made a woman from the rib. And he brought her to the man. 23, this is what Adam says, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. But now the man and his wife are both naked and they felt no shame. So we see three passages using the same language, and marriage is a central theme throughout the whole scriptures. There's 66 books in the Bible. The Bible is more like a library than one actual individual book, but in the beginning with Genesis, they're talking about marriage, and at the end, of all of human history, we see that there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. And we see a theme of marriage throughout the scriptures, how God calls his people, the Israelites, and describes them like a husband and a wife, how I loved you, Israel. And then in the church age, Jesus is saying that husbands, you ought to love your wife like Christ loves the church. And so God creates two institutions in the scripture, two. That's it. He creates the church and he creates marriage and he uses them to describe one another and so we see that romance and marriage is is more than just sex it's more than just a relationship there's something that god sees in marriage that's very very special and i think it's important that we understand that especially as god's people because it's more than just a piece of paper i believe it's the heart of the gospel i believe it's the truth that stands as a test for all time for us to engage And so I I just want to share what is so important about marriage. What is so important about this commitment, this love? And I want to introduce a biblical idea called covenant. Everyone say covenant. Covenant. I want to read a quote about covenant from the eyes of a man named G.K. Chesterton, who is a mentor to C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. And it says this, G.K. Chesterton pointed out, that when we fall in love, we have a natural inclination not just to express affection, but to make promises to each other. Lovers find themselves almost driven to make vow-like claims. We say when we are at the height of passion and we know that the other person, if he or she is in love with us, will want to hear those words. (laughs) Real love, the Bible says instinctively, desires permanence. I feel like deep down in our hearts, we desire permanence for love. We want a love that will last forever, amen? We want a love that's gonna stand the test of time, a love that's gonna endure. It would be so strange if we were like, hey baby, I'm gonna love you for the next 90 days, and then we're done. Hey, I really feel a connection with you. Would you, would you like to be friends for four hours? And then let's just let's call it good. It does not feel natural. We don't make commitments like that when we are in love or we're feeling those emotions. We desire permanence. It's so amazing. And this idea of permanence really ties into covenant because this is the nature of love. In the Bible, we see this idea of covenant, In a a, a definition for covenant really is it's a kinship or becoming family through an oath. And so throughout the scripture, we see this idea of covenant. Uh, In the New Testament and the Old Testament, we use the word testament, which is the Latin word for covenant covenant and it's an idea that when we had communion today and we talked about jesus christ dying on the cross this is my body broken this is the blood that was shed for you jesus said this is my new covenant that i give to you that i am committed to you that as the Christ, as Christ loves the church, a husband ought to love his wife. This is an idea of permanent love and covenant. And it's all throughout the scriptures. We see that Adam, he is encountering a woman, and then God says, hey, this is why you should leave your mother and father, leave, and you should become one with this woman, cleave. We're called to leave and cleave, and this idea of how real love desires permanence is throughout the scriptures. And even in our wedding vows, we realize that these commitments aren't just between us and the one we are in love with. It's an idea of a relationship between us our spouse, and God. When you're getting married, anybody here married? Raise your hand like you love it. Come on. <laughs> when you, if you had a traditional wedding... When you said your vows, you weren't just saying your vows to the spouse. The minister says, hey, will you do this in sickness and in health and all these kind of things? And you say, I do. You're not just saying I do to your spouse. You're responding to the questions the minister is asking, saying I do commit to this idea of not just current love, but future love. This idea of permanence that we all desire. And so we see marriage as an incredible picture of this vertical love. I do talking to the minister, and a horizontal love to our spouse. As it is with the picture of the church, true love, all the commandments are filled by loving God and loving people. In our marriage, we're committing to God and loving one another in the eyes of covenant. Here's another quote that helps me understand this. When dating or living together, you have to prove your value daily by impressing and enticing. You have to show that the chemistry is there and the relationship is fun and fulfilling or it will be over. The legal bond of marriage, however, creates a space of security where we can open up and reveal our true selves. We can be vulnerable, no longer having to keep up facades. We don't have to keep selling ourselves. We can lay the last layer of our defenses down and be completely naked, both physically and in every other way. The blending of love law and love fits our deepest instincts this instinct for permanence creates safety where we can unlock the benefits of marriage and so i said the title of this message is marriage with benefits and through this idea of covenant through this idea of marriage we see throughout the scriptures i want to help us as god's people desire to unlock the marriage benefits and i want to let you know that if you're single That's awesome, and if you have a commitment to be single forever, that's totally biblical, and that's awesome, but I want you to see these scriptures and this message through the eyes of God and the church, how we are all committed into a loving, romantic, marriage-type relationship, whether it's as the church or whether it's with our spouse, amen? And so the benefits and the purpose of marriage that's unlocked in a place of permanence, I'm gonna go through six, number one, It unlocks companionship. Number two, partnership. Number three, uh, family. And is it all up there? All right, number three, family. And uh, discipleship. And this is a joke, I don't really mean this, but number six, hardship. I just thought, ends in (laughs) ship. But it's not not a real one. It was really hard to get some of these ships. Because I was like, pleasure. So I just put intimate relationship, family, kinship. I just wanted the shit, but you don't have to use those for your notes. <laughs> All right, so number one, companionship. It's a benefit of marriage. You know, it, it's not good for man to be alone. This is in this Genesis 2 scripture where the beginning of marriage is. It's not good for man to be alone. We desire deep, deep relationship and companionship, especially in this age of so many connections on social media, Facebook, connections all over. These shallow relationships are not fulfilling our desire for intimate companionship. And uh, it's not good for us to be alone. We might sing songs like, uh, all I need is you, God, but it's just not biblically true. God had alone time with Adam and they're hanging out they're having a great time, there's no sin, they're in a garden, it's just Adam and God, and God is like, this is not good. <laughs> this good. I wonder if Adam dealt with the fence, he's like, God, ouch, <laughs> this is not good. And uh, I know when I'm alone, things get weird. People say, when Amritha's out of town, Pradeep and you just start making really weird jokes, your filter goes away, you start obsessing and watching anime, and you're just getting to this weird, dark place, I don't like you, when Amrita is out of town, it is definitely not good for you to be alone, and I, I think that is true. And so, in this Genesis two scripture, it, it's 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 a it's a lot of poetry in the story, and we see uh, you can put that on the screen that Genesis two scripture. But we see that God is in this this mode of creating he creates the heavens and the earth and he calls it good he creates uh the sea and the land and he calls it good he creates birds in the air and crawling animals for the land and he calls it good he creates the sun and the moon and he calls it good so it's so much good 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 god is pumped up about what he's creating but then he creates adam and he says this is not good it's the first time we see that And Adam was all alone. And God's like, I created all these things in pairs, you know, the sea and the land, the earth and the sky, but now here is Adam. He's all alone. He needs a companion. And then he puts them together and he says, Very good. It's just an incredible imagery in this, in this Genesis encounter. And I just think it's awesome to have that companionship in marriage. Someone who wants to spend time with you. Someone, even though you're stinky or you're having a bad attitude, in the depths of their heart, they want to be with you. And companionship is a beautiful thing. Amen? Amen. Number two, a benefit of marriage is partnership or, or mission. Uh, I believe that your marriage is not just about your marriage. Your marriage exists as a vehicle to accomplish something. And uh, uh, Hebrew, in the Bible, we see in, in Genesis 2 that he says, hey, Adam, it's not good that you're alone. I'm going to create for you a helper or a help me or I'm going to create for you a partner. And throughout church history, this has been used really to kind of put women down into a subservient role. Like, hey, you're, you exist to be kind of like my servant. You kind of exist to be way lesser than me and you can just follow me on every single whim and you're just super weak and you're in capable. But really the word in Hebrew for help me or partner here is the Hebrew word azel or I mean izare. Can you say izare? Izare. And I love this because in Psalm 118:7 this is actually the same word that is used for God. And so this word isn't like a subservient, less than, you know, pushover kind of person. This is actually a Hebrew word that is used for God. And what it means is partner. Someone of equal value that can contribute to our mission together. In times of war, they would look for these people as kind of, hey, we need partner for our military endeavors. We need more strength. We need someone of equal value and strength that can equally partner with me in accomplishing the, the vision and the mission. And it's amazing, like Pastor Maretha and I, we wanted to start a church together. We modeled ourselves after Priscilla and Aquila in the scriptures, who had a church in their home and actually taught this man named Apollos, a more adequate way of scripture. And so we decided we wanted to partner together. We didn't want to just do our own things, but we have a mission and we're going to join together and we're going to not just let this marriage be about ourselves. Our marriage isn't just about our marriage, but it's about accomplishing the mission God has given us. And so I I just believe, women, you have a God-given calling on your life. You have a passion, and you have a lot to contribute. But I want to warn you, don't partner with a man who doesn't have a mission. Adam did not get Eve until he had work to do in the garden. And the same goes for you, man. I don't care if you find a girl who's sexy and funny. If she doesn't have a mission, I say stay away. And I know this can raise a lot of questions, like what if I don't know my purpose? What if I don't know my mission? We have all been given a mission to make known the beauty of Jesus, to make disciples of every nation, to advance the kingdom of God. You have a mission. And I just want to encourage you, find a partner who says, I am going to not let this marriage just be about ourselves, but we want to partner together to accomplish God's will here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And so find someone who can partner with you. And that's why it's so important to be equally yoked, to have someone who sees eye to eye with you spiritually. It's so important so that you can move this mission forward together. Amen. So number three, what is a benefit of marriage? Number three, pleasure or intimate relationship. You know, sex in church can be a dirty word, but God created it. God designed it. He wasn't like, what are they doing with that? Oh my gosh. Like, no. He was, That's not what I No, he designed it. He wasn't, he wasn't surprised, you know? It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, this is kind of funny, but Proverbs 5.19, uh, it's a little PG-13, but it's the Bible. We can read the Bible in here, right? Uh, Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely de- deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. So you can tweet this if you want. Proverbs 5:19 says, "The Bible says to get drunk with your spouse." <laughs> Make sure you tweet those things together for full context. Brandon, you wanna you wanna lead a round of applause for that? <laughs> God designed it. Amen. It's good. It's beautiful. It's not just like a necessary evil. Marriage is something we can enjoy. They were both naked and not ashamed. They took great joy and pleasure, so that is a benefit. Even in 1 Corinthians 7, 9, it says this. But, talking about a couple, but if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than burn with lust. Amen? All right. Number four, let's move on. A benefit of marriage is family or, or kinship, if you want to get fancy. You know, a lot, a lot of cultures and societies have tried to get rid of the, the nuclear unit of family. And they realize it does not work. There's been experiments where, hey, children will belong to the government or the state. And uh, the fabric of the society fell apart. That's why places like South Korea are saying, hey, we need you guys to start hooking up. We need you to procreate. We need people to get married because we're going to cease to exist as a nation. And ethnicity in Japan, they've actually documented how much economically they're losing because people aren't getting married anymore. And throughout uh, the scriptures, we address God as father. And we call each other our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this idea of family is so important throughout the scriptures. Uh, there was a time where people were not allowed to get married because the military was so short-staffed. And so that's where the, the legend of Valentine's Day came because there's a man willing to marry people even though it was illegal. And people desired to get married. the desired to be a family. And families are awesome. Many of us, have experienced pain in our family but like we talk about recovering the beauty of jesus we want to recover the beauty of families we want to recover the beauty of marriage and romance and kilos church is a church for families we want to have families thrive through rooted networks amen that we would be god's people raising each other's children having each other's backs that we would thrive together and so family is a real great benefit for marriage you will be fruitful and multiply it's really the first command that they were given as a couple be fruitful and multiply and i'm thankful that we have a father in heaven that shows the example of what amazing families are like even if we've had less than perfect fathers or mothers we have a father in heaven who loves us and sets the template Amen. And so five, the last real benefit I want to talk about today is discipleship. And it says this, that marriage makes us more like Christ. In Ephesians 5, it says this, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. I love that. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. And so marriage is a great vehicle to become more like Christ. And I just want to be real with you. If you want to stay selfish for the rest of your life, If you wanna have a marriage that's less than ideal, stay a selfish person. Be a selfish person. And actually, I wanna up that. If you want to uh, be selfish for the rest of your life, I would just encourage you, don't become a Christian. Because when we're part of the church, or when we're part of a marriage, when we follow the model of Jesus Christ, we find that true love isn't measured by what we receive, but by what we give. And it's a call to lay down our lives. And there's so many times in our marriage, Pastor Amritha and I, we're pastors, but we get in fights, and we go through trouble, and we go through trials. And there's times where we're just like, ah, this is so hard, this is so difficult. But then we have to make a decision. Are we going to lay down our lives for each other? Are we going to serve one another? Are we going to love one another like Christ loves us? Are we going to be more like Christ, yes or no? We oftentimes use marriage to find happiness. But when we search for happiness, we often don't find it. But as we search for Jesus and to be more like Christ in our marriage, as we build on the truth of God's word, I believe that the byproduct of a healthy marriage will be happiness. Amen? Band, you guys can come up. And I want to close with this story. You know, I I, I just believe that marriage is something beautiful. And that you can have hope in your marriage. That as we seek God and we realize the the desire for permanence in our relationships, that you can have a 100% chance of having a great marriage. As you build on God's principles, as you both center your lives around Jesus. And I I realize that there are people here where you're dealing with difficulties and hopelessness in your marriages, You're, you're dealing with difficulties and hopelessness in your singleness. But I want us to be a community that says, God, we will build our lives on your template. We will have hope in you. Jesus, we will trust you. And, uh, you know, Amrita and I, we got married about five years ago. And uh, I just want to share this story because it it, it inspires me because I really believe that God loves marriage and romance, not just in scriptures, but in our lives as well. You know, we were getting married in Kansas, and it was super hot the year. We wanted to get married in these wheat fields. We actually left our marriage on a tractor. It was a really cute, hipster Kansas wedding. It was, it was amazing. And the problem was, it was super hot that summer in August. It had been 115 degrees like for months. And usually the corn that grows there is knee high by the 4th of July. But it was August, and the corn wasn't even knee-high yet, and so this drought, it caused economic problems and issues, and people are like, hey, we're not going to come to your wedding because it's going to be too hot. And if we do go to your wedding, we're going to wear cargo shorts. We were very discouraged by that. (laughs) We're like, no, not cargo shorts. And we're like, what is going on? And I was, I was a wedding photographer for a number of years. And so I had very specific ideas of what I wanted the weather to be like. I wanted overcast skies so we could have flat lighting for all the pictures and things like that. And uh, we're like, it's going to be too hot. There's a fire warning. We couldn't do all these things that we wanted to do. And people are saying, hey, you need to create a plan B. And so I, I began to pray with Amritha. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me. He said, hey, I'm going to give you everything that you ask for. And so I got in front of a group of our wedding party and our family, and I said, hey, guys, I just want to declare to you that I think God loves our wedding, and God's in this, and uh, I want to have 80-degree weather, I want to have overcast skies, and I want to have no rain. And God told me, I'm going to give you whatever you want for your wedding. This is going to happen. And all these people of faith, you know what they did? They laughed at us. It's been 115 degrees for all this time. There's, there's no way, we can't even grow corn. That's not gonna happen. And I, I just believe God loves our marriage. I believe God loves your marriages and your relationships and you have a 100% chance of success even when it looks unlikely. And so we show up to our wedding day and uh, it's raining. So it had been a drought and now it's like raining and we're like, oh no, this is scary. Like we have an outdoor wedding, this is not okay. And then as it got closer and closer to the wedding, the, the skies didn't part and the rain was getting worse. And we're like, oh God, you said you'd give me everything that you promised. So we decided to go forward in faith anyways. And so we, uh, Amritha's being pulled out by the tractor <laughs> to the wedding and as it happens, this is a miracle. The skies part. <laughs> And a rainbow forms over Pastor Amrita on both sides of the wedding. And what happens is, a storm circles the entire wedding. So there's lightning storms on every single side of the wedding, except for where we are getting married. (laughs) And and as she's going out there, deers start frolicking in the existence. And we realize these aren't just rainbows. These are two sets of double rainbows. There's no rain, what does it mean? (laughs) It's amazing. And uh, it's 80 degree weather, overcast sky, and God gave us exactly what we prayed for. And I just felt like God was saying, hey, I'm with you. I love you. I love marriage. I can't wait to see what you guys are going to do together to advance the kingdom of God because I'm with you. I know what's going to happen, but I can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. And I just want to say to you all today, can you believe in marriage again? Can you hope that God has an amazing, lovely plan for your love life? We as a society might feel like we're bad at love, but you know who's good at love? Jesus Christ. Man, this is awesome. Love isn't measured by what we receive, but what we give. He loves you, and Jesus loves you. He gave his whole life for you. You know, we've been talking about how marriage is a picture Not just for us, and not just a template for us and our spouses, but it's also how God loves you. And I realize that there are people in this place, maybe you've never experienced that kind of love. But you can have it today. You want to be in love, you want to experience true love, you want to experience hope and forgiveness. Someone you can be your true self with, and they still want to bring you even closer. That's the kind of relationship you can have with God today. And so I just want to give every single person here an opportunity not to just have a great love life with a spouse or something like that, but to have a great love with Jesus Christ that you see as beauty in your life today. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor Pradeepin, would you pray for me? I want to have that kind of love with God. I want to receive forgiveness and a new hope and a fresh start. I want that. If that's you in this place and you're saying, Hey, I want, I want to make the decision. I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to give him it all. I'm sick of living by my own rules and my own leadership. I want to follow his lead. Pastor Prudeman, pray for me. I want that. If that's you in this place, on the count of three, just lift your hand so I can see it, so I can pray for you. One, two, three. Just lift up your hand. That's awesome. Lift it high so I can see it. Awesome. And if you're in this place and you're saying, hey, I I wanna have hope in my marriage and in my love life and I'm gonna trust God that I don't have to be bad at love. If that's you in this place, why don't you just nod your head between you and God? That's awesome. Let's let hope rise in this place. God's got your back. God's got your marriage. Let's trust him. Let's trust him. Hey, let's pray this prayer together, especially all of those who who made this decision. Lord Jesus, let's say this all together. And if you need to read it off of these musicians' bodies, that's okay. But let's just pray this together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? Pastor Maritha, why don't you come up here?